0: Are you tired of battling through the dreaded pre-period week or struggling with menopause symptoms? It's time to reclaim control with estro control. When I'm not feeling like myself, I'm not able to show up as my best self for my family, my friends, or my podcast team. Hey, everyone, it's Jamie. This week, I'm bringing back an episode that features my interview with Rod Demery. Rod, a U.S. Navy veteran, spent many years working as a homicide detective for the Shreveport, Louisiana, Police Department, retiring in 2016. Rod went on to work as a special homicide investigator for the district attorney's office, and he also became the star of hit true crime TV series, Murder Chose Me, on Investigation Discovery. So, about today's episode. Recently, an opportunity for a great interview came my way thanks to my friend Carrie Martin, who co-hosts the White Wine True Crime Podcast. Carrie has been so supportive and she seems to act as sort of a connector for many people, including me. So, a big thank you to Carrie for making this interview possible. Okay, so you're probably wondering who I'm interviewing in this episode. For those of you who are fans of the TV channel Investigation Discovery, you may have heard of a show called "Murder Chose Me." "Murder Chose Me" is hosted and narrated by Rod Demery, a retired homicide detective who now works as a special investigator for the District Attorney's Office in Shreveport, Louisiana. Rod has lived a very fascinating life and is no stranger to tragedy. When he was just three years old, Rod's mother was murdered. Rod never really got the true story of what happened to his mother. So in his 20s, he took matters into his own hands and ultimately solved the case of his mother's murder. Through the process, Rod had the opportunity to interrogate his mother's murderer face to face. Can you even imagine what that experience was like for him? We discuss it in depth during the interview you're about to hear. When Rod was a young adult, murder came back into his life and resulted in his own brother being convicted and sentenced to life in prison for murdering someone. Rod also opened up about that incident and how it impacted him. Rod and I discuss everything from what makes a killer, to whether OJ did it, to some of Rod's most memorable cases working as a homicide detective. I think you're really going to enjoy the interview with Rod. I do want to offer an apology for misstating an important acronym during the interview. Rod and I talked about the reasons why cases involving minorities, such as the LGBTQ community, Aren't publicized to the magnitude of cases like the John Benet Ramsey case, for example. When the topic came up, I misstated the LGBTQ acronym, and I'm so sorry about that. The LGBTQ community is near and dear to my heart, and I think it's important to use proper terminology when discussing this community. Okay, I think it's time to get on with the show. I hope you enjoy my interview with Rod Demery of Murder Chose Me on Investigation Discovery. So, Rod, you've obviously spent a lot of years in, uh, you know, violent crime unit as a homicide detective. You retired in 2016. Uh-huh. And so now you you work now as a special homicide investigator for the district attorney's office, right. with all that as well. You also are the star of a show called Murder Chose Me on Investigation Discovery. Yeah, that sounds like a lot, doesn't it? I, you know what? I think it is a lot. <laughs> the true crime genre has become so popular. Mm-hmm. It, you know, people binge on you know all the TV shows, the podcasts, the documentaries. And I'm one of those people, too. I'm one of those true crime-obsessed yeah. people that, uh, you know, I was one of those weirdos as a kid that uh, was reading books on serial killers, you oh, know, as a teenager. Yeah, yeah. And my mom's like, I think something might be wrong with my daughter. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's just fascinating. Because yeah. for me, I like to get into, I'm fascinated by the psych yeah. of a killer, yeah. you know, because they're just so different from the average human being. Right. It, what makes their brains different? I don't know. But it's just, it's very fascinating. So I have some questions surrounding that. But um, wanted to thank you for being here today. First thank of all, thank you.
1: I really appreciate
0: it. Yeah, no, me too. So I would also read in my research that you are a Navy veteran. Yeah. As well, yeah. thank you so much for your service. Thank you. you you are got yeah, a very actually, impressive background. Was,
1: um, the twenty seventh anniversary that we got back from desert storm. Wow. Uh, so let's just come back and forth on social media with some guys that other than Navy with.
0: I would imagine those are some uh, deep rooted friendships, yeah. Yeah, given yeah, what definitely. you know what you all went through together. Yeah, definitely. So, well, thank you for your service. Thank you. So, you know, I know you experienced significant tragedy during your childhood, and that, I believe, ultimately led you into a career in criminal justice. Can you tell me a little bit about your childhood and where you grew up?
1: Yeah, I, um, my mother was killed when I was three, and uh, my um, family is originally from a place called Nackish Parish in Louisiana. Yeah, it's a little small, typical Louisiana town. In fact, still Magnolias was, was filmed there, ah, so it's love a really charming little place after my mother was killed my grandparents moved my brother and I to New Mexico mm. and I grew up in New Mexico. So um, I didn't have a whole lot of memories of Louisiana, mm-hmm. you know, except for the times we came back and forth for little vacations. But um so I grew up in New Mexico and that's a different environment. I didn't know a lot about Louisiana or Louisiana culture other mm-hmm. than what my grandparents told me. But um New Mexico was it. And I spent most of my summers in LA. So growing up, There, It's kind of a a different feel. You know, it's a place that it's not like the South or even uh, New York or L.A. It's big melting pot. You know, you have all these people that come in, most from the military. So you have all kinds of different cultures. And it's uh, now that I, uh, you know, in retrospect, I I had a pretty fortunate
0: environment where I grew up. That's good to hear. Yeah, Yeah, because that's that's not an easy situation. Yeah. So when you were three years old, your mother moved away in search of a new life. Um, what were the issues at the time that she was trying to escape? What, yeah. what, why you was know, she in I, search of a new life?
1: I, you know, I think um, my, um, in in Actish Parish, it was still a very rural country. Mm-hmm. And I think she was probably attracted to something bigger and better. So she got married, and the guy that she married uh, moved her down to Texas. It was pretty close to Houston. Mm-hmm. It was on the Gulf Coast down there. So I think maybe she thought that, um, you know, like most people, you know, you get away, you can see the world i guess you know yeah. and um you know eventually she was supposed to come back for my brother and i she lived down there with him for just uh, a little while i think i was a year old when they got married there were some serious issues of domestic abuse which mm. i didn't find out until later mm. but he was quite a bit older than her and i think um that kind of played a part and she, my mother was uh yeah she was not a passive person from what i know and he was a pretty controlling guy mm. and i think it just escalated and most and you know it's Typical of domestic violence, you know. It's uh, usually a man that can't control a woman's thoughts, or he's intimidated by a woman's mm-hmm. intelligence or independence. It usually turns to violence. Mm-hmm. I mean, what else can they do besides physically dominate them? Mm-hmm. So that whole situation blew up, and eventually, she decided she was going to leave him. And as she did, he shot her. Um, and he, you know, I, I didn't know a lot about it at the time. You know, my grandparents were pretty sheltering. You know, I heard bits and pieces about, you know. Some believe he did it purposely, and, you know, he had told the police that it was an accident. He never went to jail, so mm. yeah, it was kind of a vague thing in my mind. But as I got older, obviously, uh, I looked into it and actually investigated it, and I found out all the details of it. And um, it was just as I thought. Domestic violence, he shot her nine times in the back as she was trying to leave, and, um, you know, went to the police, and they let him go. So you know, it's, uh, But, you know, if you go back to that time, you know, 1969, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, the women's uh, rights movement had just started and obviously the equal rights for more mm-hmm. civil rights for, for black people was just getting kicked off. So, you know, I don't know that they had a whole lot of value for, mm-hmm. for that kind of uh, life or an investigation of that, of uh, a murder like that. Ironically, I called um, before I went to Texas to start the investigation. And one of the ladies that worked there, for the court, she told me that she. I mean, she's very blunt, you know. She said, "You know, it's 1969. You know, women didn't have a whole lot of rights, and your mother was black, and nobody really, wow. you know, did a lot in those days. So it was pretty interesting to pull the court records and listen to the attitudes and the tone, and yeah. So it was a uh, something that you, you know, you can hear about, but you really don't know until you get into it.
0: Very true. Uh, it, it, it's and it's it's sad to say, but yeah, we have. I like to think we've come a long way.
1: We have actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Quite a long ways. But, you know, we still have those issues and, um, you know, it's a big part of violent crime actually is domestic violence. And, uh, you know, it's always something that I've always worked with on the side. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's uh, it's a pretty big deal.
0: You know, it's interesting to hear you say that. I was a, um, I served as a juror on a mm-hmm. uh, first degree murder trial last year up in mm-hmm. Santa Clarita where I live here mm-hmm. in LA County. And it was the exact scenario you just painted, Mm -hmm. uh, domestic violence. And it it escalated very quickly. They only knew each other for five months, got Mm -hmm. married in between that time, much older man, Mm -hmm. very controlling. And it was interesting because, you know, several of his previous girlfriends testified at the trial. But they were Mm -hmm. very submissive. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, they survived. The one who was not submissive, she was a very spicy kind of girl, gave it right back to Mm -hmm. you. And that's exactly what happened. And it escalated and he just couldn't Mm -hmm. handle it. And he, he killed her.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, it's a very familiar story. I think probably all of those cases, the basis of them or oh. the, the major elements are going to be identical.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It happens far too often. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. So later in life, in your adulthood, you began seeking the truth about your mother's murder. What prompted your search for the truth and how'd you begin that process?
1: You know, I don't know. It just, um, I'd always had that curiosity and I always and I wanted to know, but I just did it one day. You know, yeah. I, um. I was working as a burglary detective and um, I knew where the place was. So I drove down to the little city and start pulling records. I got the autopsy report, the police reports. And, um, there were a few people that were still around that were there when it happened, did some interviews. And I went back to Shreveport and, uh, located the guy who actually did it. Mm. He was in the hospital, uh, at heart attack, quadruple bypass or something. I don't know. But, um, I videotaped him at that time and, and kind of interrogated him, I guess. And, um, just wanted to get the story from him, you mm-hmm. know, uh, to look at him and have him look at me and explain to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he did. and Well, he explained his, his original story. I don't think I expected him ever to just tell the truth. I didn't think that was possible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I got all the details and, you know, and confirmed it. You know, ironically, it's just like a regular homicide investigation, you know, just kind of go through it and you feel better, I guess, after you know what happened. Sure. And, um, you know, it's... Um, it's pretty interesting, you know, when I talk to younger homicide detectives, especially, um, you know, ones that I had trained, it's, you know, your job is really not to find somebody and punish them for what they did. Mm-hmm. It's just to find out what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, in retrospect, I, I think it's probably the, the unknown that really bothers people, you know, not really knowing what happened. Oh, you yeah. know, is this person free or, you know, and I think once you answer those questions, you know, you just kind of let it go from there, you know, eventually, or hopefully it gets dealt with. I think the other part of it is, is that, it gives a lot of people hope where they didn't have it, you know, because, you know, if the murder happens 10 years ago and there hadn't been any closure. Then the family's probably still under duress oh, yeah. or some sort of stress. But um, I found out the truth 40 years later. So there's always that light at the end of the tunnel. May may not come when you want it, but it uh, eventually comes around.
0: Yeah. And, I, and I'm glad that you got that because I can't mm-hmm. even imagine, you know, uh the tragedy like that happening and, and that probably that burning feeling inside of you, knowing that you were never really given the truth right. and you also wanted probably justice for your mother. Oh yeah. So yeah. it sounds like this man was fairly truthful with you. He was, he, he told you what happened. Mm-hmm.
1: He did. He told me that um, he and my mother were together and I mean, he admitted some of the parts of it that were pretty controlling. You know, he mm. talked about how he didn't like for her to go out and, you know, she would come back in late or stay out all night or something like that. So, you know, that undertone was there. It was pretty clear. He cried and, you know, he got emotional at times and, um, yeah, it, it was yeah. totally not authentic, but, you know, uh, I think I wasn't really looking for that. I didn't expect it from him, I guess. Uh, it's just a matter of just getting the answers for myself, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I can't say that I, I felt one way or the other afterwards, mm-hmm. but, um, I guess maybe it was just better to know. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of put that stuff to rest.
0: Oh, definitely. I can imagine. And so um, there was nothing that could have been done from a legal standpoint. You said he never got convicted or charged.
1: No, he didn't. Um, In fact, he um, he was charged with what's called yeah, I guess back in that day, murder without malice, mm. which is, you know, kind of akin to maybe a manslaughter. Mm-hmm. You know, I did it, but I didn't mean to do it Yeah, kind of thing. But um, at that point, you know, he was in his 70s and he was broken out of pathetic and, you know, his heart failed. I mean, you know, literally and figuratively. And um, I think probably after that interview, maybe, you know, not long after that, he died. So, oh, wow. uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe he was uh, just hanging around long enough for me to find out what happened. <laughs> hey, know,
0: so. I'm so glad he did because, oh, I'm sure yeah. you are. I mean, yeah. it just, you know, at least you got those answers and um, things, I guess, happen the way they're supposed to, yeah. but you definitely, you got some answers and that's what you were in search of. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, that's definitely. great. So, and I won't harp on this anymore, but I did have some, you know, still some more questions oh, no. surrounding that, if you no. don't mind. No, don't okay. Know. Because I'm fascinated by this kind of stuff too. So I, I think I'd read somewhere that um, there may have been a police, cover-up in your mom's case or do you still believe there was some sort of
1: well you know that's um that's a it's it's always a big question whether there's a cover-up or just gross incompetence and sometimes there's a little of both i did a domestic violence seminar not too long ago back in shreveport and there was a lady that was explaining what she believed was a cover-up how a victim can go to the police or to their priest or to whomever Mm -hmm. and everybody kind of pushes it aside. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my my response, my comment to that is because a lot of people beat their wives and their girlfriends. So it's a, oh, okay. it's a cultural thing mm-hmm. rather than a, you know, a legal issue mm-hmm. because it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of unreasonable to think that somebody or a prosecutor or a judge or a police officer that lives that type of lifestyle or believes that type of philosophy would, you know, have any real concern for a victim. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the problem comes in. And and back then, I think it was pretty much the same thing. You know, they, this guy had a pretty good standing in the community. You know, he was a hardworking guy. He was in oil and gas and, you know, and it was kind of a, kind of a, one of those cultures. And I, and I don't know that part of it's cover up because they don't really care to get it out. The other part is, uh, you know, they kind of condone it. And, you know, yeah. so it's a, there, there are a lot of different reasons, but um I think as of late, you know, it, it, it's starting to, to get a little better, you know, for domestic violence victims right. where it was before. No one really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, in the case of, of your mother, especially back in that time. And I think, unfortunately, this still happens today. There's a, there's a lot of victim blaming. So like when you said something that just struck a chord with me earlier, when you said, you know, he was mad about my mom Mm. staying out late. You Mm. know, I can just imagine in my head because I think people still do it today. They say, well, what's a woman doing staying out so late? Mm -hmm. She needs to be in front of the stove cooking and she needs to be home for her man. And especially back then. So Mm. I but I still think that people do that today. Women have a certain, it's like people expect women to, to be a certain way. And if you're not, it's very easy for people to victim blame. And it's really sad. Yeah, yeah, It happens it, it a lot.
1: Is, it is. Um, and unfortunately, you're right. That, that happens a lot. And, you know, one of the bigger questions, why did not she just leave? Well, <laughs> yeah, oh. it's kind of, it's kind of a, a silly question, but people still ask that question. I they mean, it, yeah. And I think that's just education. You know, I don't know that people are really, really well educated or well versed on how it works and, and the dynamics of it. And partly because it is part of a culture, you know, kids grow up seeing it, you know, and, to a certain extent, it's almost accepted. Yeah. Um, so it's just starting to change. And, uh, you know, I would say in the last five or six years, really. Oh, yeah. yeah. So.
0: Yeah. And if you're somebody who's got some sort of notoriety, I mean, gosh, yeah. I hate to bring it up, but like O.J. Simpson, you know, oh, it's yeah. like, you know, he's a hero and he he was in people's minds and nobody wants to believe that. Probably so much easier to just kind of brush it under the rug and say, no, no, no. Yeah. You know, yeah. and O.J. wouldn't do that. And, you know, not our O.J. Yeah, yeah.
1: People don't want to believe it. They
0: don't want to yeah. believe it. But I do. Mm-hmm agree with you that I think a lot of that still goes on today. I mean, gosh, politicians, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. stars, oh, yeah. all kinds yeah, of people. It's a,
1: it's a control and power thing. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot has changed since 68. It's just uh, a different way of doing it, I guess. You I know, guess it's so. gotten a little better, you know, Yeah. But, yeah, it's got to be a, a pretty tough environment
0: to be in. Definitely. Yeah. we am sure we still have a long ways to go on that. Yeah. Who do you think your mother would be today?
1: Yeah, you know I, that's that's now that's probably one of the biggest questions I've ever had, yeah. and, I, and I never really thought about it. And I wonder what it would be like, you know, because oh gosh, she'd probably be seventy two, seventy one, seventy two. You know, from what I knew about my mother, she was um, she was really smart, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, she was a pianist, and you know, she was really really smart. I recently found. Um, Someone watched the show in Natchitoches Parish and I went and did a parade mm-hmm. in the little hometown where she was. And there was this guy that was waving in the crowd and he gave me a, her school records. And, so um, cool. you know, that that was pretty amazing because, you know, she had these handwritten autobiographies. Yeah. And, you know, she was I think she was in the eighth grade at the time. And she talked about how she wanted to be a nurse and, oh, you know, how she loved cool. New Mexico when she went to go visit um, and come back to Louisiana, how different it was. And it was, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. So I think she would probably definitely be in self, uh, you know, service industries, whether it yeah. be a nurse or something like that. She, um, I think that was her nature.
0: Yeah. Uh, and a a uh, nurturer.
1: Oh yeah. And she said she hated math and but she had really good grades in math. So yeah, oh, it was funny. kind of funny. Oh, I saw some similar- similarities because I I hate math. You funny so you're a lot <laughs> yeah, like yeah, your yeah, mom yeah, that yeah, way? Yeah, but yeah.
0: what a cool gift for you to receive yeah, that you yeah. just yeah. fell into your lap. Yeah, yeah. It was, that's, uh, it was, really pretty, it was pretty cool. It was, and it's um, all handwritten. Yeah, and like, that's yeah, so
1: cool. Yeah. So, and, you know, it's, uh, I talked to my brother um, a while back when the show first started and, you know, it's like wow, you know, everybody's talking about you on know, television. <laughs> like well dude, you know, it's it only meant one thing really. You know, and I told him, you know, in nineteen sixty nine no one really cared about her murder, you know, yeah. so now everybody in the world knows her name. So it's that this whole immortalizing thing that that yeah. turned out to be pretty cool.
0: I hadn't thought about that. You're right. Mm-hmm. Through through, you know, your success and, yeah. and the success of the show, everybody knows your mom's name and that's yeah, a cool yeah. thing. Like what would she think about all yeah, this? You, you know, know, that's And like and, cool it, and it
1: actually leapfrogs because there are so many victims that in, in the cases that we you know, right. show now you know there there are kids that were murdered or youngsters that were murdered that you know i call them kids because i'm getting older but mm-hmm. um you know inner city kids or someone that nobody really knew a whole lot about or even cared for that matter and yeah yeah you know, it's it's kind of cool to get a, a letter from somebody or a, a message from somebody yeah you
0: know so i'll so i'll ask you too because i've wondered about this some of my other podcast friends um they have podcasts that are focused more on like lesser known cases and things mm-hmm. like that and unfortunately a lot of the like you know, LGBTQ mm-hmm. community, um, black community, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Why aren't those cases as popular well, you know, as I all think, these like um, Jean Bonnet Ramsey? And yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, we, uh, we have a, a very judgmental society yeah. and I think this season actually coming up, you'll see a story of a murder of a LGBT mm-hmm. community, how that entire community was victimized. And it, and it kind of shows how that stuff happens. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't go into great detail, but, um, it's precisely that you know you have you have so many different attitudes that people have towards people for whatever reason mm-hmm. you know I don't know I just don't I I can't really say what a, a civilian or or independence is and thinks because they are, they have a right to feel and think but as a police officer or a you know someone in the system that's supposed to protect everybody then mm-hmm. you don't really get the the luxury of having that type of attitude and if you do you're in the wrong wrong line of business
0: so absolutely so. During your investigation, just, you know, as a homicide detective, at what point do you make an arrest? What do you need in order to make an arrest?
1: I think you have to. Well, for me, I was never comfortable until I got a confession. Mm. Um, you know, but I think if you have enough evidence to kind of show that somebody had the, the means opportunity and, you know, it always helps to have a, a good witness and some physical evidence. But for me, it was uh, I had to have a story, you know. Yeah. And, you know, someone couldn't just come in and say, you know, hey, I shot this person. No, they got to tell me how many times, you know, what you do with yeah. the gun. You know, yeah. I want to get intimate details because that's important, you know, because there's always going to be a question. And if you go back to the O.J. case, I mean, they had mountains of physical evidence, but um, that it missed that personal. Mm-hmm. story from somebody that can actually tell the story. And, you know, that can be that that confession or that statement can come from the suspect, which I always preferred. But mm-hmm. if someone was there, it's uh, even you know just effective. But um, I guess to arrest someone, it doesn't really take a whole lot, to be quite honest with mm-hmm. you, um, whether or not it makes it through the systems another thing. But um, for me, that was the point. I had to have somebody that could give me a good, credible story of what happened. And, you know, it's just gumshoe detective work, you know, that nowadays everybody's looking for some sort of CSI magic, but, oh, the, yeah. but, you know, the reality is, is if you have a gun and, you know, it's the murder weapon, okay, you got a gun, but did you pull the trigger? Mm-hmm. You know, so how do you get that, that extra, extra bit? And I think removing all doubt, and I know it's a reasonable doubt standard, but I think removing all doubt is probably yeah. the best way to go. Eh, you know, it's not always going to happen, obviously, but, um. Yeah, the closer you can get to it, the better.
0: So you you achieved a strikingly high success rate with regard to confessions. Yeah, um, in solving cases as a whole, what was your strategy, and why did it work so well?
1: You know, it, um, you know it, God, it sounds so trite when I say it, but it's true. You yeah. know, I, I really believe that that was my calling. You know, I don't uh-huh. think that I have any special skills or, or, you know, better than the next detective. It's just that, you know, I think that's what I was prepared to do. I mean, I could actually relate to the person who was mourning the death of somebody and someone who actually did it. And right. I mean, there are people, you know, it's just bringing that human element to it. And, uh, I think that makes the difference. And the other thing is I was totally obsessed with it. I mean, I couldn't do anything except that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I say often it made me a good detective, but a, you know, a bad friend or, you know, a, Husband or whatever, you know, it didn't work. But um, for that, I was really good because uh, that's all I did. You know, yeah. it's a singular obsession, and I don't know that you could actually do that job and not feel that way. To be honest with you, uh, yeah. it's it's kind of hard to think about, you know, birthday dinners or holidays or kids' soccer games when yeah. you just told this person that their their kid was dead. So it's, um, I think you got to be cut from a special, <laughs> you know, kind of kind of who You can suspend everything else in life. And, yes. Um, thinking that you know, days off vacations or anything like that, then you probably got the wrong job. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. It's
0: interesting. You say that because yeah. I, app that was one of my questions is that, you know, you probably yeah. have to be, you're married to your job. Oh
1: yeah. Absolutely. And so there's
0: gotta be, unfortunately, you know, negative effects that spill over yeah. into your personal relationships. Yeah. I can't yeah. imagine how you could successfully do both. Yeah. yeah I don't think you can. Probably I think, so tough. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. It, and it was, I mean, But you make that decision at that moment, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like you're standing on a crime scene or going to a crime scene, your phone rings and you know that the other person on the other end, especially if you're married, is going to be really upset. But you don't care, (laughs) you know, either. Yeah, push that reject button and just keep going. You've got (laughs) that
0: singular focus, and and I'm sure you've got a connection with the family members, and you're just trying to try really hard to bring them justice and bring them answers. And so, yeah, Yeah. that's that job is definitely not for everyone. We were talking about that before you got here. What's been one of your most frustrating cases, and why?
1: I think the cases that were always most uh, frustrating were the kids with uh, juveniles. I mean, Mm. uh, uh, younger kids, you know, babies and that. I mean, because you can't wrap your mind around it, or even cases with elderly um, victims. Mm-hmm. You know, just can't. You, you can't understand that. You know, that, you know it's, what type of person wants to victimize somebody that can't defend themselves? You know, and those are the hardest to you know maintain that professionalism and stay focused on the case because mm-hmm. you really want to <laughs> you know you want to reach out, but um, those are probably the most frustrating. Not, you know, the cases though. Um, I can't say that I got frustrated at work in the cases. Mm -hmm. You know, there are so many different factors and most homicide detectives or police officers for that matter will tell you, it's never the external factors. It's Mm -hmm. inside, you know, it's the politics inside the job. It's the, you know, and not many of them complain about the low pay because we're good with that. Um, it's, you know, it's the thanklessness and not that you really want somebody to congratulate you or thank you. but just want them to leave you alone. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just, uh, yeah. so, you know, those are the things that are most frustrating is because you know what you're doing and you know where your heart is. And maybe somebody that's working with you knows that, but there are so many people that just don't get it. You know? Yeah. You know, they think you're just out being whatever, uh, you know, your personality is different. You know, mm-hmm. you come off as cocky or arrogant. You no, know, you gotta be, I mean, you're sure. Chasing people with guns. I mean, yeah. I couldn't yeah. imagine a meek homicide detective, you know? Oh my it's God, can not, you imagine? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. And that, and you know, the guys that you work with are exactly the same. So you don't get along. So it's, right. it's pretty isolating. But um, the frustration comes from, you know, the, the inner politics and, yeah.
0: and
1: and personal relationships. But the job isn't frustrating at all.
0: Yeah. yeah. At least for me, it wasn't. So when you're, you've obviously sat in the room with some really, really bad guys and probably yeah. women too what's I mean, I'm sure you've come across a few sociopaths in your in your time. I mean what is it like sitting in front of these like the true you know, let's excuse the not excuse, but let's not think about like the crimes of passion. Mm -hmm. But like the really true, like cold blooded sociopath, you know, killer. What can you see it in their eyes? I mean, what, oh, yeah. what? you yeah. can, Oh, that's really a thing. It's, and it, yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's, it's really creepy. Actually. Um, you know, the old detectives always tell you when you go in as a rookie, you're going to know your suspect when you meet him. Cause you do. I mm-hmm. mean, you can just see it. It just oozes out of them. But the ones that are just really crazy and depraved, you, it's just hard to keep a straight face. But you know, you, when you leave and you're, whoever you're with, whatever detective you guys are, God, this dude is Satan, you know, Ugh. because they're, yeah, they're, they're pretty bad people. Yeah. Um, yeah, the object though, is to somehow, you know, get beyond that, you know, and just kind of jump over it and go to the person because there's something about them that's human. And right. it's just tapping into that, that area that I think the the difficult part is, is being able to do that, yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, once you get that done, you're, you're there.
0: Sounds like you wear many hats as a detective, yeah. you know, somewhat psychologist, so some, mm. you know, just all kinds of things.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's, it's, You know, I don't know. I don't know if there's any other work that's as fascinating, you know. I don't
0: think so. You
1: know, in police work, I worked a couple different things, you know, narcotics, robbery, you know, burglary. But sex crimes and and homicide, those are really passionate human crimes. Mm -hmm. And it requires such a a personal connection and investment. And, uh, you know, I I think that's what I liked about work in those cases. And, you know, I, I, I applaud all the advances in forensics, but, uh, no, you gotta, you gotta be a police to make that happen. (laughs) You know, it's just a connection.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know everybody kind of wants to get all that. I guess maybe it's the OJ case that brought it out, but it's like, everybody's like, well, where's the DNA?
1: Yeah. You know, and you're like, there's not always
0: that. love when we discover something that takes something we already love and makes it even better book of the month eliminates the overwhelming sensation of choosing the next book to read their team selects a few new options each month focusing on new and emerging authors making it so much easier to decide when your selected book arrives it comes in an eye-catching blue box that makes it feel special and gives me something fun to look forward to each month So many times I've gotten myself into a reading rut where I feel like I need to venture out to a new genre, but I have no idea where to start. Book of the Month makes it so easy to discover new genres because their editorial team reads through hundreds of titles each month, and then they select a few of the best for members to choose from. They cut the clutter and curate new exciting titles for readers to enjoy. This month, I chose The Only Survivors by Megan Miranda, which gets me so excited because in just a few days, that pretty blue box will arrive with my new hardcover book. Book of the Month just launched curated audiobooks, which members can download and listen to right in the app. Head over to bookofthemonth.com to pick a book and join Book of the Month. For a limited time, you can join and get the first book for just $5 with code FORU. That's bookofthemonth.com and enter code FORU to get your first book for only $5. So, uh, Rod, in your 20s, um, tragedy struck again uh, when your brother was convicted of murder. uh, And I think he was sentenced to life in prison. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about what happened and how that impacted you?
1: Yeah, I can give you um, some basics of it. Sure, please. I get real deep into it because I don't really understand the dynamics of it. But uh, my brother, um, uh, I had just gotten back from uh, Japan. I think I was in the military from a deployment. And my brother came to me and told me, just kill someone and um, he was covered in blood, and he, um, you know, it was one of those whole drug things, whatever. But um, I took him to the police, and he, they took him away, and he was he was convicted. Uh, I didn't stick around for the trial. I didn't do anything, any of that stuff, and it was probably 15 years before I actually talked to him again because I just didn't want to, and the effect that it had was the fact that it was just he and I, and, you know, my brother had seen what we went through growing up, and I just couldn't get past that, so. Ironically, it was probably easier for me to um, forgive the guy who killed my mother than my brother because um, my brother actually owed me something, you know. So, you know, we've gotten beyond that and, you know, we um, have a a very good relationship now, but... um, and on the on the flip side of that, it um it definitely made me a better detective, you know. I could always look back, you know, my brother was a regular guy, you, yeah. know, you know, riding bikes, you know, yeah. or doing whatever we did, you know, Ataris and, you know, stuff like that. But um, when I talk to someone who is, has committed the same type crime now, I don't automatically look at this mm-hmm. person and say, you know, they're, they're a monster. And they very, well, maybe, mm-hmm. but I do have the ability to know that there's something in them that, you know, at some point they weren't. So, right. So it's kind of easy to kind of extrapolate the, the, the good from, them. I guess, if, yeah. if hadn't I had that experience. So
0: yeah. interesting dichotomy, obviously, just, yeah. you know, you've spent your whole career putting the quote unquote, you know, the bad guy yeah. away. And here you find yourself with such a close family member who's found himself on the wrong side of the law. Yeah. So I just can't imagine how that was yeah. for you. I'm glad to hear you all. You have a relationship yeah. today. Yeah. That must have been hard.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think when you, when you look at crime, especially violent crime and murder, I don't... I don't think it's a personal thing when it comes to someone committing a crime that you should be looking at. I think it's a personal thing for the victim and the survivors and the people working it. That's where the passion should come. I don't know that you should look at the person who did it as, as the, the human element, mm-hmm. because you know, there there's obviously at some point where they get to their point where they do whatever, well, we can deal with that, you know, and go to prison forever, but you you have to maintain that whole human side when you deal with the other people. So it's, it's a difficult balancing act. Yeah, yeah I can so. imagine.
0: What was one of your most memorable cases and why?
1: It was a domestic violence case, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. There was a young lady, and her boyfriend was uh, quite a bit older than her. And he um, he beat her, I mean, senselessly. He locked her inside the house when he went to work. And he came home one day, and it's Louisiana, right? So she cooks for him, feeds him some red beans and rice. And um, he falls asleep on the couch, and she walks up and shot him in the back of the head. And... um.
0: Oh, wow. So she shot him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh wow.
1: Took him out. And it was actually my first homicide. So I guess that's probably why I remember it so much. But, you know, there was so much with all the the guys that were working with me and my training officers They're telling me that, you know, I know this is a suicide. Because she tried to stage the scene, but um, she just looked at me and started crying, you mm-hmm. know. And, and so, I don't know, it just kind of stuck in my head because, uh, you know, she was clearly a victim. But, sure. You know, I actually went to prison, but she didn't life I mean, think 10 or 15 years but yeah. I think it's cases like that or the pregnant girl she was you know five months was pregnant she was murdered I mean it's cases like that just kind of mm. you know stick with you
0: that one was tough to watch that, oh, that yeah. was I ended up on one of the episodes yeah. and that was extremely <clears throat> a, so cold blooded oh yeah, yeah. um yeah. but going back to the domestic violence that's gotta be hard for you because you look at her she's obviously a victim and yeah. she just had enough and yeah she did some things she staged yeah. the scene and all yeah. that but you can't help but feel for her and go. If that were my sister, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd still love her and go. You yeah. probably did. Probably yeah, saved yeah. your own life by doing yeah. oh, that. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that's probably tough for you. Yeah, you
1: know? yeah. Well, you know, and and I think that's uh, another way detectives can succeed. Is you know, you got to kind of realize that you you gather all the evidence, facts, and information, and give it to the courts. I mean but when you start to get, you know, I want this person to go to jail or I don't want, that's where you, you, you have a yeah, problem. Yeah. So yeah, I, I was able, thank God, to just do it and just cut it off, you know, because um, you, you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And yeah, then
0: I'm you sure you've been called in, it. you know, as a witness mm-hmm. on some of yeah. these trials. And, you know, when you're doing your work, are you, you probably not because you're just so laser focused on what you're doing and getting justice. But do you ever, are you ever cognizant of the fact that, this could end up in a jury trial, and I've got to watch my p's and q's and do this investigation right because you don't want the defense to be able to uh, attack the credibility. No, no, or do you just no. not get that far?
1: No, you don't. And and I, but I've I've worked with people that did, and it and it kind of skews their investigations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I can You know, I yeah, I think the closest I ever get to it, you know, are the are the major things like mm-hmm. is this person drunk or under the influence of drugs or alcohol when I advise them their rights, you know, yeah. just maintaining their, you know, constitutional rights, but all the other stuff, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting for me. I, I, I rarely prepared for trials, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't report stuff because it's in my mind. It's right in the, in the you yeah. know the front of my mind, but um, obviously dates and times and stuff. But I think when you do that, it's kind of, you're, you're kind of trying to present it for, and uh, I think that was another thing that, that worked for me because I really didn't care what, yeah. you, know, you know, what yeah. everybody else thought. You know?
0: You're trying to get justice. Yeah, you, yeah you're not really yeah. worried about you know the defense attorney and that. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Like you, you probably put it on a yeah, shelf at that point. Yeah, My job yeah. is done. Yeah, for the most part, I'm moving on.
1: Yeah, and, and after a few cases, uh, you know, a few years, it doesn't really work like that because most defense attorneys they know you and they know your reputation and they know what you're going to do, and what you're not going to do. Yeah, you know, but um, when you you're going to have a hard time if you, you know, and that's I mean that's anything in life you try, to see what somebody else is going to. Oh, yeah. A thing. So now I, I never really gave that a whole lot of thought. And I guess you, you just acted me recognize that. I think that's probably one of the things that, that, that worked a lot for me. Yeah.
0: Obviously, I would imagine one of the toughest parts of your job is delivering the news yeah. to these families. I mean, it's something like, you know, a person like me who doesn't do the work you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I cannot watch those scenes without shedding a tear. Yeah, and so, yeah. I mean, have you ever become visibly, I'm sorry, emotional when you've delivered the news or you're just able to...
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just do it. And, um, later sometimes I do, you know, sometimes, um, you know, after I get somebody in jail, yeah. uh, you know, you kind of feel those emotions when everything is over. Sure. You know, Thank God. You know, because, yeah. You know, operating emotionally wouldn't work. But yeah, I think, um, you know, after a trial, you know, like, yeah. you know, stick around and say anything to the family because you would be emotional, Definitely. you know, but, um, no, delivering the news is, um, I think, um, I hated it. I mean, more than anything on earth, but, um, it kind of motivates you because you are responsible to that person now Yeah, and um, their reaction, which you think you can predict, you can't, and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it kind of pushes you because you, at that point you owe them, you know, and it's, uh, you know, I don't know that you go back or and say, you know, I didn't do it, <laughs> you know? So yeah, stand out weeks trying to solve this case. So. Yeah.
0: It sounds like you, t- you just from watching the show, uh, it looks like you take a pretty, direct approach and just yeah. be honest. Like you, yeah. you know, you owe it to them, I guess, oh, yeah, you know, and yeah, you just, yeah. you're just yeah, you just honest, just tell yeah. them what it is. Yeah.
1: I don't believe in that. You know, this person's expired, they're deceased or they died and now they were murdered. And, uh, you know, you, you want to stay focused. I think that actually gives the, the, the family or the survivor some confidence in you, you know, yeah. because, you know, they know you're not going to bullshit them trying to make them feel better. You know, yeah. they know you're going to do what you got to do. And, Gets you a lot further than trying to be empathetic. You know, we had pastors on patrol or or, or clergy members or, or chaplains that we would you know sometimes bring along to to comfort them. But um, you know, my job was to go find out who did it, and I wanted them to know that. I want to convey that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know. I I I kind of didn't like to see you know, police officers or detectives that got emotionally involved because mm-hmm. to me it was an excuse, <laughs> you know, you yeah. know, you want to build a report, so they'll like you more, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, yeah. I don't know. I'm not, yeah. a, I'm not a homicide detective yeah. and all that, you know, but it, it's, it's not your tragedy. It's yeah. theirs. Yeah. So yeah. it probably would be uh, kind of strange yeah. to yeah. see yeah. you getting yeah. emotional yeah. in front yeah. of them when it's like, yeah. that's their tragedy. Yeah.
1: Or, you know, I don't want someone to say, Oh, he tried really hard. I don't, I don't need that. I want them to.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So something I'm really curious about is, you know, like I said earlier, besides crimes of passion, what do you think makes a person turn into a murderer? Is it nature? Is it nurture? Is it a combination? Yeah,
1: I I think everybody has that um, capacity. I think it's innate. I think people have a primal instinct and I think people are capable. Everybody's capable of killing because you have some instances you have to kill to survive, you Mm -hmm. know, or, or protect someone. I think though when people go too far, it's just, somebody that didn't have any control over that at all, you know, at some point they lose it. It's like, they can't control their emotions. And yeah, you know, that's why, you know, murder is always a passionate crime. Unless of course it's a contract killing or, mm. you know, a psychopath, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. serial killer. But for the most part, it's, um, somebody lost control. And I think for that reason, working murders is a lot easier than working robberies, you know, cause I worked robbery and I, I had a guy that I worked with. He said, you know, um, somebody robs a convenience store because they're open.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, that's it. That's all it takes. Right. <laughs> but to kill somebody, they had to do something or yeah. felt like someone did something to them. So it kind of narrows down that pool. Now, right. Obviously there are the people out there that, uh, but even then, you know, hired a killer, they, whoever hired him has some sort of connection to the victim. Or, right. Yeah. You know, so everything short of a psychopath. Uh, yeah. It's a, uh, some sort of connection.
0: Yeah, Definitely. You know, there's all these infamous, you know, cases and some of them have not been solved. I mean, Mm -hmm. have you ever thought about if you could solve one infamous murder case that's been unsolved? Is there one that stands out for you that you would love to solve?
1: Yeah. The OJ case. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, I don't care what anybody says. That case will fascinate me all day long because it's so one of my questions actually is, did OJ do it? And do you think he had an accomplice if you think he did it?
1: I think OJ did it. I don't know that uh, he had an accomplice, maybe somebody after the fact, you know, or something. But um, now, uh, if it wasn't OJ, it was somebody that had the same passion and um, emotion for the victim that he did. Mm -hmm. You can probably narrow that down to OJ, so, I was just going to say, <laughs> you, you know, could probably narrow so, it down to OJ, you know, right? Um, yeah, yeah, you know, and I, and I certainly don't want to seem as if though I can pass judgment on because I don't know, anything. Sure. I didn't work the case, sure. but um, there are certain foundations that are laid in every murder investigation and, um, you know, I don't know. I think it's um, a, a failure on, on so many different levels. So.
0: I mean, there has to be a failure on so many different levels when it's unsolved, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you know, you've got families grieving and they don't have the answers yeah. that they need, so... Definitely. But gosh, what a, whew, that was like definitely yeah. the crime of the yeah. century. Yeah. What stands out to you when you know, you're sitting out, you're sitting in front of a cold blooded killer. I mean, I know you said you can kind of see it in their eyes, but mm-hmm. um, what stands out to you? I mean, do they really just lack empathy? I mean, they are they really like as subhuman as we think they are?
1: Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, I think the challenge though, for me was to get in there and try to get inside there, you know, Inside their head, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better uh, term, or in that space, you know, it's always, you know, I I took this class, um, this hostage negotiations class, and they say that everybody has a trigger or, you know, or, or, you know, some sort of hook that you can use to find out what's important to them. And the floodgates open, and um, that's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. You know, so always look for that, you know, and it's not as obvious as you may think telling somebody they're going to prison for the rest of their life usually doesn't work. You know, if mm. they have conditions outside, they're just as bad, but there's something, you know, maybe it's, you know, your dog's going to go to a shelter, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. some people don't like care that. about their mom, you, know? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, it's
0: true. But your dog, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah,
1: Stereo you just put in your car or something. You know, it's just, yeah. it could be something really small. It's just finding that thing that, so looking for that in somebody that's so cold and withdrawn, it's, there's something. Yeah. It's just, that's uh, interesting. Ugh,
0: that's, it's creepy because anytime I see pictures of these sociopaths, you know, you look them up online, I'm always looking at their eyes going, can I see it? Can I see it? And I always think I can, but maybe it's because I already know, but it's, it's creepy looking at somebody like Ted Bundy. And, uh, I mean, honestly, even, you know, OJ at times I look at him and I go, I don't know. I think maybe I can see something there. But again, like you said, we don't, yeah. Yeah, a, so the TV show Murder Chose Me on Investigation Discovery. I'm a huge fan. love you. the show. How'd this opportunity come about?
1: Working a case. Um, I worked a murder case. Um, pregnant um, girl. She's 19 when she got killed. And um, the production company, Jupiter Entertainment had another show um, fatal attraction and they interviewed me for that and they came back and interviewed me for another. And, uh, before you know it, they were, Hey, you want a show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I <wanna>. Why not? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it, um, I think it was, um, it's a good thing. I mean, it's a, it's a good way uh, to uh reach people. And I think it's, it's, a, it's spiritual. Actually. I think that God's plan was for me to be able to tell everybody that mm-hmm. and, you know, it works. I mean, people connect on levels that you'd never imagine. And, uh, so yeah, definitely, yeah, you
0: definitely got a platform now yeah. Yeah. and uh, yeah. I, ID yeah. is a great. It's a great yeah. network. Yeah. I mean, gosh, it's, yeah. um, I don't know when it started gaining its popularity, but when the opportunity came about to talk to you, the first question somebody asked me was, well, do you watch ID? And I'm yeah. like, do I watch ID? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's a, they have got some good yeah. shows. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, um, it's a, it's a great network. I mean, they, yeah. they actually listen to what you got to say, <laughs> you know, it's and they, they, they try to stay true to it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so, yeah, it it worked out. I mean, there, you know, the the thing I always say is that you know it's kind of amazing for somebody from Bangladesh to mourn with somebody from Freeport. It just brings sure. the world closer, and people kind of actually reach out and feel things that they would have otherwise not known. So, right. Yeah, it works.
0: Very cool. Uh, tell me a little bit about the show. I mean, obviously, I've watched it, but so uh, um, these are cases that yeah, are from your yeah, past, your yeah, career. Yeah.
1: yeah, these are all the homicide cases that I worked um, as a homicide detective. I host and narrate the show, and there's an actor, John Nicholson, who plays me in the reenactment portion of it. And uh, I'll tell part of the story, and he'll reenact, it and then I'll tell the other part. It's a it's a first person, so that's what's kind of cool about it. And um, uh, yeah, it's just a great formula.
0: Definitely. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I was we were talking about in the beginning. I think for me, what works is you know, like we said, the true crime TV can get a little cheesy. Yeah. yeah. Because whenever I watch a true crime show that's a little cheesy, it distracts me from the real seriousness of the story. We're talking about murder. When I watch Murder Chose Me, it's 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 not cheesy. And and so it doesn't distract me. And I get really deep into the story and I can feel it, you know, on a human emotional level. But I also think they do a really good job. Like I said, you know, the actor who plays you, (sighs) when you're sitting there talking, you know, at the table about a case and it just cuts to him actually uh, acting out that it just uh, is such a seamless transition it was a great um yeah yeah, great actor to play you yeah
1: yeah he and I um we have similar personalities so we kind of hit it off
0: how has being on tv changed your life you're a big tv star now
1: (laughs) yeah you know I I, you know it it has I guess but um I kind of don't get into it. Yeah. I and mean, being a police officer for so long, is kind of, you're, you're always suspicious of everybody. You know, people yeah. at the grocery store that come up behind you, think you're going to shoot them or they're going <laughs> to shoot you. But yeah, um, yeah. it changes, I guess. It changes a lot, but um, probably benefits my kids more than me, yeah. <laughs> you know, because they like that kind of stuff. But yeah. um, I don't know. I kind of, I haven't really changed a whole lot about my routine. And I went back towards the DA's office, so I didn't really have a chance to get into that
0: sure get wrapped you know, up yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you you talked about your daughters I saw did you author a book um, called I I um, things my daughter should yeah, know is yeah, that what it's yeah, called yeah so yeah. what prompted you to write that book
1: well you know um, I got to a point in life where um, you know I guess maybe because of my work I had all these failed relationships and um, you know I, I have my daughter was growing into a, a young lady at that time and I you know I don't know I just wanted to tell her what mm-hmm. she could look forward to or not, you know, yeah. and, and what to, to expect out of relationships and maybe, um, give her the, the knowledge and the information that any father would want to give his daughter, you know, cause I truly believe that a woman gets the unfiltered truth from her father, you know, I'm cause he has, that. Yeah, you know, so it was pretty raw. It's just pretty much, Hey, yeah. don't do this, do that. Don't do this, do that. Yeah. There's not a lot of bargaining there's not a lot of, uh, you know, it's pretty raw about what happens in certain yeah. relationships that don't go right. You know, when guys lie, when guys are. Possessive control and, and all that stuff. So you you pick up all that stuff in your your career and your failed relationships. You put it all together and you want your children to do better. Well, <laughs> so it's you so just, true. Yeah. So you put it out there.
0: And I think you're right. You know, I think yeah. I, and I can't brush every mom with a broad stroke, but I know yeah. personally speaking, you know, I do tend to sugarcoat yeah. and and yeah. I rely on my husband. Yeah. To give it to them real. And I think we're serving them so much more by just giving, like you said, just be blunt about it. Because I think that they'll be released off into the world in their adulthood being better off for it. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, hearing yeah. those things and, oh my gosh, I can't imagine the things a homicide detective would tell. Oh, yeah, that's,
1: I, I mean, mean
0: they're, they're getting I everything.
1: I mean, I mean, my daughter could bring Gandhi home and I find a problem with him. You <laughs> <Yeah. know>? so, <laughs> it's just, it's the way it is. You I just, know, it's, just I, it's so funny. Thing. I was
0: talking to Anna before you got here and I only knew you before this from watching the show. I said, man, yeah. he is intimidating. And I said, where was yeah. he? Like, I need a friend yeah. like you for when my son was a teenager yeah. to just, I just need to <laughs> call in reinforcements. Like my son my son's just being a total, sorry, yeah. teenage a-hole. Yeah. Yeah. I need to call Rod yeah. Demery in and go, all right, sit down in yeah. front of him
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cut through yeah. the BS. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, my son gets that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he gets that a lot.
0: What's next for you personally and professionally?
1: I started a while back in a master's program in theology. I want to finish it because mm. I want to teach um, social sciences, criminal justice, um, sociology, yeah, that kind of stuff. So I think that's probably what I'm going to do.
0: Very cool. Yeah, Gosh, so, I mean, as if everything you've already done just isn't enough.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're
0: an overachiever. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know.
1: I think it's just, uh, yeah, I, I've been blessed. That, yeah, it's kind of, I can't really just take it. Yeah. You know? yeah it's just, very uh, neat.
0: So I have a very serious question for you, Rob. Given all the experience you have, do you think you could commit the perfect murder?
1: Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm yeah. so glad yeah. you yeah. on Oh, this. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, somebody else asked me that, and I said, you know, if you work at Burger King, you can make a good Whopper, right? <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. So you
0: could commit the perfect murder. Oh, yeah. I always okay. have these conversations yeah. with my, my friends who are, like, yeah. true crime obsessed, and I, I think I have it in my head how I might yeah. I mean, but we're joking the, there, here. There, but
1: there's, there's one caveat. <laughs> Everybody does, <laughs> you know. The, yeah, yeah, probably. yeah so, you're Right, it, like they yeah.
0: go into it thinking, "I'm mm-hmm. going to get away with yeah, this." They're right? so you're, smart, right? Yeah, so <laughs> <yeah>. so <laughs> right.
1: Smart.
0: I'm going to so, do this. I'm going to yeah. cover up this way, yeah. and it's interesting. Well, I just really appreciate you taking the time no, with me. You. You're you're really you fascinating, impressive guy, well, and uh, it's really cool that you're able to transition into you know starring in the show because you know homicide detective. I mean. Nothing against you because you got a great personality, uh, but I don't know if you guys are known for your, yeah, we're known a, to. you know, have a <laughs> yeah. the most shining personality yeah, and you yeah, do, you're a really yeah. dynamic well, guy I and I enjoy the that. show because of it. So yeah. well, I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. Thanks. I want to say a few quick thank yous to some people who made this episode possible. Thank you so much to Jason Galbraith for making sure the sound quality of this episode is top notch. This was my first in-person interview, and Jason took the stress of worrying about the audio quality off my shoulders. Jason is a podcast host himself, and I highly suggest you check out his shows. He hosts the Evening Radio podcast and the Difference Between Us podcast. Please check out both of his shows and leave them both a five-star rating and review if you're so inclined. Thank you also to my awesome audio editor and show producer, John Buchanis of Audio Editing Solutions. John actually connected Jason and me, and I can't thank him enough for that. John is a critical part of the Murderish podcast, as he makes all of the necessary edits, he adjusts sound quality to make it a pleasant listening experience for all of you, he adds all the music, and does so much more. If you need a top-notch audio editor for your project or podcast, check out AudioEditingSolutions.com. You won't regret it. Last, but certainly not least, I want to thank Rod Demery for taking time to talk to me. Rod is a very sharp yet down-to-earth guy who I found to be so open about his life and his experiences. There are so many fascinating dynamics about Rod and his life, it's no wonder Hollywood came knocking and offered him a TV show. Season 2 of Murder Chose Me on Investigation Discovery airs on April 4th. Stop what you're doing right now and put this show in your queue. It's a must-see for true crime junkies. As always, you guys, thank you so much for listening to Murderish we've come a long way together and there's so much more to do. I'm excited about the future of the show and taking all of you along for the ride. Until next time, stay safe. I look forward to seeing you all again soon. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a 5-star rating and review, and don't be shy, tell a friend. The word of mouth is powerful. You can follow the podcast on social media on Twitter at murderishpod and on Facebook at Murderish Podcast. I have a closed group set up for us to discuss all things murderish. If you'd like to take your support for the podcast a step further, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash murderish. If you choose to become a patron, you'll get some extra perks in exchange. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash murderish. Murderish merchandise is also available at two online stores, Links to the online stores are available in show notes and in the About section of the Murderish Podcast Facebook group. Thank you so much for listening and for your support. And remember, listening to this podcast doesn't make you a murderer. It just means you're murder-ish. Seeking the truth never gets old.